Macro trends are long-term directional shifts which have an impact on a large population at once. So sometimes we're talking about a global scale. Other times we're simply talking about industry-wide shifts. Um, academics are often obsessed with this idea of tracking changes as it pertains to large groups of people, right? So economists, sociologists, political scientists. But you know who else makes a living doing this? Marketers. And that's because it's a marketer's job to figure out who is most apt to buy a specific good or service. So we need to pay very close attention to how trends are shifting in order to understand how that might affect our own efforts. When we talk about changing macro trends, we typically focus on five different areas. And so we're going to look at each of those areas on today's episode and talk about how things have already changed in the wake of COVID-19 for the average consumer. And then we're going to try to predict the future. What exactly does all of this stuff mean for us in the food and wine industry? Stick around and I'll tell you. There's an old saying goes something like this. You'll only find three kinds of people in the world. Those who see, those who will never see, and those who can see when shown. This is Restaurant Strategy, a marketing podcast for anyone who's looking. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. My name is Chip Close and this is Restaurant Strategy, a marketing podcast dedicated entirely to the restaurant industry. So each week we discuss the tools, tactics, and strategies that will establish you as a leader in your market. That means doing more covers and driving more revenue. Each week we choose a topic. We pick that topic apart, we come up with some key insights, and then we finish up with an assignment. I always leave you with a short, actionable task, something you can do right away to start implementing some of the ideas we talk about here on the show, because as I always say, information is only as valuable as the action it inspires. Now, this episode is sponsored by the Table Rock QR menu system. As a restaurant owner, right, we know this. You are strong. You are resilient. But without a doubt, these past few months have been a struggle. As restaurants all around the world begin to welcome back their patrons, health and safety will be the number one concern. Restaurants have to start thinking about things they never considered before, like what to do about menus. So instead of wasting money on disposable menus or trying to properly clean reusable ones, restaurant owners are switching to the Table Rock QR menu system. You place a QR code at the front door or at the register or even right there on the tables and guests can easily scan that QR code and view the menu right on their smartphones. The best part is it allows you to update your menu at any time and it automatically syncs to your pre-existing QR menu code. Plus, you can display up to 10 different menus from just using one code. So you've got a lunch menu, a dinner menu, dessert menu, selection of beers, cocktails, even a wine list. It is no problem. This is, hands down, the simplest, most affordable way to ensure you meet CDC guidelines and provide a safe environment for both your patrons and your staff. Learn more at qrmenusystem.com or, of course, you can click the link in the show notes. I want to give a big thank you to Jake Grimm, the founder of the company, uh, for his support of the Restaurant Strategy Podcast. He and his team have really created something special here with this product. Uh, I'm excited to be supporting them. Uh, I'm glad to have them supporting me, uh, and I'm really excited to be sitting down with Jake uh, on the next episode. Uh, we're actually going to do an interview here because uh, because he's been in the restaurant industry for a long time, and he's got a really interesting perspective that I think uh, all you guys were really benefit from. Now, as promised, 
Today, we're gonna to talk about five different areas and identify some of the changing trends, not just in your area, but at the macro level, right? How are habits shifting in a post-COVID world? Again, academics often focus on five different areas when it comes to macro trends. They are demographics, economics, sociocultural, regulatory, and technological. Okay, so a bunch of big words, let's break them all down because really, this is a pretty straightforward idea. What we want to think about here is how things have shifted since the quarantine and how those shifts might affect things moving forward. Meaning, what did we learn from all this? What has changed? What, what did we take for granted, right? So for me, I think of hugs and workouts. Those were two things that I just took for granted. Of course, I'd be able to hug my mom. Of course, my mom would be able to hug my son. Well, not anymore and probably not for a long time. And then there's working out at the gym, right? So not only are the gyms not open here in New York City, I, I, I can't tell you when I might feel comfortable enough to go back once they do open. So I've started replacing hugs with other things, right? We, we do Zoom calls with my parents now. So rather than just a phone call, we, we actually get on Zoom so we can see each other face to face. That's That's a shift. And, and I don't think I'm alone in that. And without the gym, I've had to find other ways to work out. So I'm doing at-home workouts and, and I'm running more, things I know many of you are also doing. So if we were in the fitness industry, for example, we'd be talking about what that means for the future of gyms. But we're in the food industry. And so I want us to talk a little bit about changing macro trends when it comes to food and beverage. So usually the academics will start with demographics, but for our purposes, I'm going to change up the order and put technological trends front and center. Why? Because the coronavirus pandemic of 2020 is drastically different than the Spanish flu pandemic 100 years ago for one key reason, and that is technology. Think about how technology has kept us informed, connected, entertained, and yes, fed over the past four months. And then just in that time, Think about how much has changed, right? Just from the beginning of the pandemic. So I think about first and foremost, grocery delivery services. Now I've talked about this on the show. My wife and I were early adopters of this. Way back in 2003, we first moved to New York City and uh, a company called Fresh Direct launched. That's a company based here out of the New York City area. We have used them ever since. They're, uh, it's so convenient because we go on, it takes 10 or 15 minutes to click, 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 order everything we want. We choose a two-hour window over the next few days, sometime when we're already planning on being home, and then the deliveries are just brought to our door. So again, when we first moved to New York, uh, our apartment was was kind of far away from anything. We were at least an avenue away from the nearest grocery store, and that grocery store wasn't even very good. We had to go much further for a decent grocery store, but we were limited, right? We could only buy as much as we felt comfortable carrying home. And so that's actually not a lot of food when you figure, you know, how heavy bags get when you're grocery shopping. So now for me, it saves me time. And I think what people are figuring out right now is that it does save time. And as they say, time is money. I think a lot of people are going to continue using this moving forward. And I think this part of the industry is going to grow and really take off beyond what it is right now. The next area I think about is third-party delivery services. So we're talking about Grubhub and Seamless and DoorDash and Caviar, right? And of course, these were already popular, but when people could no longer go out to eat, their business exploded. So now what did that do to our industry, right? How is that going to continue to affect our industry? 
Just the other day, Uber acquired Postmates, and I'm sure we're going to continue to see uh, all of these companies jockey for position, and there's going to be some consolidation in the marketplace. But but again, how will that affect our industry in the long run? Will, will it be good, bad, um, neither? Um, the answer to that, I think, is the next area, and that's in watching so many restaurants start moving away from those third-party services. Now, why? Because they're expensive to use. They take a hefty percentage right off the top, and there's a trade-off, right? So you get more exposure being on those apps because people log on, scroll through, and they, and they use it as a sort of search engine, right? Deciding what they're hungry for as they're scrolling. But then the cost of that is the commission these companies take. And just in four months, I've seen restaurants move from a, a sit-down model to delivery service. They've then gotten listed on all those services, and then almost just as quickly, they've pulled out and they've decided to keep all their delivery in-house. So which way will things continue to trend? My guess is that people will start doing the math and realize that they can save money by keeping the delivery in-house. So will the marketing benefit they get from, from being listed on these sites outweigh the, the money, the revenue that they lose? Or will they just figure out a new way to market themselves in the delivery marketplace? Who knows? The next area is Zoom, right? So Zoom has fundamentally changed how teams connect with each other in the corporate world. And as I mentioned a few minutes ago, it's it's shifting workout habits, right? People now work out at home. So how might we use that in the food world? It seems strange to think about, I guess, because so much of what we offer is an in-person experience. But I guess I would challenge all of us to rethink those limitations. For, for one, I think about all the virtual happy hours that are going on, right? So my wife and I have had Zoom dates with, with friends of ours over the last few months where, where we all make ourselves a cocktail and then log on and, and, and sit there and drink together and catch up. And yeah, it, it was weird at first, but then it became sort of normal. In fact, platforms like FaceTime and Zoom have always been sort of novel up until now, but the quarantine has gotten all of us to adopt these new technologies so much more quickly. So how will our industry evolve to acknowledge that shift and how can we better serve our audience keeping that in mind? The last one that I'm going to mention actually has to do with our sponsor, right? So the QR menu system I talked about at the top of the show, technology is providing a safer, more efficient, more cost-effective solution to the problem of health and hygiene in restaurants, right? So instead of wasting a bunch of paper night after night, we can use technology to better serve the planet and our patrons. I'm sure there are others. Those are just the big ones that jump out to me, but but I'll turn it to you. What sort of shifts have you noticed in your community over the past few months? What sort of what sort of changes are you seeing when it comes to technology? The next one I want to discuss is demographics. And most of the experts have said that demographic trends aren't really shifting uh, in this post-COVID world, and nor will they. But I wholeheartedly disagree for two key reasons. For the first one, I want to go back to the grocery delivery services that we were just talking about. And I want to point out that the demographic who resisted ordering groceries online was the older generation. And yet they are the ones who shifted their habits because they didn't want to go into stores. They figured out how to make it work and they adopted the technology. So it's not that everyone is using technology more. It was this specific group that did a 180 on their openness to the platform. Now, Will that continue? I bet it will. First and foremost, 
Because until we have a vaccine, senior citizens will remain a vulnerable part of the population. And secondly, because I think they're probably discovering that it's easier to just sit at your computer and have your food arrive the next day. No no bags to carry, no struggling with the cart or, or fighting for space in the parking lot. I, I actually think this trend will continue to move in this direction. The other trend I see when it comes to demographics is again age-related. I think the older generation is going to stay away from restaurants for a while because again, they are the most vulnerable part of the population. And so we need to consider what sort of effect that will have on our businesses. The 50-plus demographic accounts for a huge chunk of our businesses, for, for most businesses at least. Now, sociocultural, right? So this has to do with behaviors and, and changing habits. And actually, for my money, this is the one that will be most interesting to watch moving forward, right? When the country shut down, all of us were trapped inside. We, we, we couldn't entertain, couldn't go out for drinks or a celebratory dinner. Instead, we found ourselves preparing more home-cooked meals or we're trying out new recipes and, and opening up a bottle of wine midweek, perhaps. So will that lead to any sort of quantifiable trend? I, I, I think it will. As I said, people have been cooking at home more and eating at home more, maybe opening up cookbooks and trying out new recipes. The, the thing is, I think people are going to remember this as we get back to normal. I think people are going to be entertaining more. Maybe not at first, right? So maybe people will be so excited to be able to go out and eat that they'll race and do that. But I think then as things settle, dining at home more often will become a trend. And then what about drinking at home? As I said, all the virtual happy hours may lead to something. I know I definitely went through more wine than I normally do at home, not because I was drinking any more than usual, but because I was drinking at home more than usual. And then what about all these new skills people learned? Famously, everyone taught themselves how to make sourdough while in quarantine. My wife and I started juicing and, and we learned how to make infusions, right? We, we did a, a lemon lavender vodka, which is delicious, by the way. But then what else did people learn while at home? What new skills did they teach themselves? And how will that trend continue as we get back to normal? I think in a couple of key ways, people will have a new appreciation, I think, for, for what chefs do on a daily basis. And I think they're going to be eager to share their new skills with others. Those things are neither good nor bad, just something to consider and a trend worth following. And then, like I said a few minutes ago, I think there's a huge chunk of the population who are going to think twice before they race off to meet friends at a restaurant. I think dinner parties are going to come back in fashion, and I think we're going to see much more of it in the coming years. Of course, that's not great for us in the restaurant industry, but it means we have to get that much clearer in articulating our argument. Why should people come out to dine with us? You have to supply a pretty good answer moving forward. Then moving on, economic trends, right? So of course, this one is, is sort of obvious, certainly to, to all of us in the restaurant industry. Millions of people out there have lost their jobs and many of those jobs aren't coming back. Business owners are being forced to learn how to do more with less. Other businesses won't reopen at all. And then, and then other businesses will become something entirely new. And so the old employees may not fit into the new structure. As people do start to find work again, uh, they'll be holding on to their money, either replenishing their savings that they that they had to dip into or just being more conservative with their spending. It's easy to see how this will directly affect our industry, and I think you have to pay attention. Now, the flip side is that many people have taken pay cuts, right? So they kept their jobs, but their salaries have taken a cut. 
or, or they've had to find work in another field that, that might pay them less than they normally would have been making. We will be going from a global pandemic into a pretty sizable recession, and people will be more cautious with their discretionary income. There will be less of it floating out there in the world, and you will need to work harder to convince people to spend that harder money with you. The economic trends coming out of this are going to be huge, and we'd be foolish not to acknowledge them. Finally then, regulatory trends, and this is sort of an interesting one. So the most obvious here is the shutdown itself, right? I mean, the government ordered all businesses to close, and they don't seem eager to allow indoor dining to resume. So for the foreseeable future, we're looking at outdoor dining and takeout. That's it, which is fine right now during the summer, but what happens come September, October, November? When will cities and states allow indoor dining at full capacity? Only time will tell. The other one I think about is how governments um, actually did help uh, restaurants and, and bars these past few months. Right, So here in New York, as the city was just shutting down, it was announced that bars and restaurants would be able to sell wine, beer, and spirits to go. That meant restaurants could could sell retail or, or they could pre-batch cocktails and sell those. This, this single-handedly actually kept a bunch of places afloat. But I wonder how long it will be allowed to continue. Will it be a trend that we see eventually turning into law or will it go back to the way it was before the quarantine? Now, again, all of that, right? This certainly isn't an exhaustive list, but but all of that amounts to to a good start. And and it's an exercise worth doing from time to time. Obviously, now when we're going through such a huge period of change, but why not do this regularly? Perhaps it's something we do every August, right? So most restaurants slow down in the late summer months. So maybe take some of that downtime and, and talk about the trends you're seeing in your restaurant and across the country which are worth acknowledging and addressing, and which do you think will just sort of fizzle out? Either way, the key is to start anticipating what it will mean for you moving forward. So now, if you know that people may be holding onto their money because of the recession, how will that affect your budgeting? How will that affect programming and menu development? What will people want from you and expect from you? If people will be going out less, what does that mean for you and your family specifically? And and finally, if the older generation has become that much more technologically savvy during these uh, these last few months, what can you do to meet them where they are? There are things that happen that we can't predict. Some things like a like a global pandemic that we just can't prepare for. But other things we can. Like right now, we know things are different and they will continue to be different for a long time. The question is, what will you do with that information? How will you respond? So that's it. The five macro trends I wanted to talk about. Demographics, technology, sociocultural, economic, and regulatory shifts. And again, we don't just have to wait to do this during a crisis. Get in the habit of doing this from time to time, even, even just once a year to take the temperature of the water. Your assignment for this week is to do this exercise. Look at each of those five areas and think about what has changed in regards to you and your patrons and get specific. Maybe you'll steal all of my answers. That's fine. Or, or maybe you'll come up with a bunch of new ones. Great. Write them down and just identify which one is going to be the most important to focus on. And then start brainstorming ideas to follow the changing trends. How you can lean in or capture new business based on where you see things headed. All in 
It shouldn't take you more than about 15 or 20 minutes to do this, but the benefits will be huge and will keep echoing for months and months and months to come. As always, I want to thank you for tuning in. If you like the show, make sure to hit the subscribe button and please do keep spreading the word with your friends, family, and colleagues. The community is growing. I see that every single week as I watch the downloads go up. Please keep it going. To everyone who's starting to reopen, I wish you the best. I will be here next week. Until then, 